Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Recorded Wednesday, January the 20th, this is the Western Devs Podcast. In this week's episode, the devs discuss open source software with Adam Ralph. Boy, look here, we get something for you. Yeah! Welcome to another Western Devs podcast. I've got Donald Belcham and myself, Kyle Belay. We are in Thailand. We're talking with Adam Ralph. Adam hails from the UK originally, and he's living in Switzerland. He is a big aficionado for open source, and we're going to be talking with Adam today about how to get started with open source. Welcome, Adam. Hi, guys. So first, let me. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, as you said, uh, I, I'm an open source lover. It, it can go so far as to say addict. Uh, I, I, I can't get away from open source. Uh, I, I'm involved in a lot of projects. Uh, I look after a number of fairly well-known uh, .NET open source projects. So uh, Fake It Easy, which is a mocking mm. framework, um, ScriptCS, uh, Xbehave.net, um, and a few others. Um, and, and now, obviously, cause I, I actually work for a particular software now, and so I have a hand in end service bus and the related uh, packages around that too. How long have you been doing open source? Not that long, actually. Um, I started uh, in, at the beginning of 2012, I think. Um, I started contributing a little bit and then I launched my own library called Xbehave, which is a, a, deri- a derivative over the top of X unit for BDD. And since then, I just kind of got hooked and, uh, and uh, it's, it's brought a lot to me, it's done a lot for me, open source. Well, how many projects are you working on? I look after externally outside my day job, uh, I'd say about five or six or maybe seven projects, <laughs> easy to lose count. Uh, I contribute to quite a few others as well. And, uh, and, and in my day job, I have a hand in uh, pushing out new versions of end service bus and, uh, and other parts of the particular platform, which is, which is all open source too. So I think that's maybe a good distinction to talk about right off the hop is um, taking care of open source uh, offerings versus contributing to them. How would you go about describing that difference? I think it's uh, it, it's difficult to get started by publishing your own project. Uh, I don't know. Some people will argue either way. Um, for me, I found a good way to get in was to contribute first. And, and that's usually scratching my own itch. Uh, I, tend, I, I always say to people, you know, if they're looking to get into open source, to, to start getting into it, contribute to something that you use because you'll see the value of it. I think when you use some kind of open source library, it's unusual not to think of something slightly better that it can do. So you know, go, go ahead and just try it and go ahead and just do it. Right. Um, so whether that be add a feature or fix a bug that you found in it or possibly just change the way your current feature is implemented yeah yeah i mean it could be it could be all, any or all, or all of the above pushing out your own project is also a great thing to do some people are a little bit afraid of that that they kind of have the the, the notion of oh but it, you know it's not good enough or they're going to get criticized um but to be honest when you first push out an open source project of your own no one's going to look at it for a while anyway right um, you have no presence built up people don't even know it exists probably that's right, and there's not there's not a whole horde of people out there waiting for something new to come along to criticise it. 
So how do you go about promoting your open source projects? Well, the first thing is if you use it yourself, talk about that. Because people want to see what this thing is actually useful for. Mm. So if you can say, well, you know, it's better than just saying, here's my cool new open source project, it can do this. Say, well, I've been doing this, which has been really useful to me in my job or in my whatever I'm doing. And and here's the library that enables me to do that. You know, maybe it's going to be useful for you too. So you mentioned that you manage maybe about seven or eight projects. Are those all ones that you've started or have are any of them ones that you've taken over from somebody else? A few of them were a bit of a mix. A few of them I started myself. Uh, the highest profile ones are probably ones I've joined in on. Fake It Easy, for instance, is quite a well-known .NET yeah. mocking framework. I'd say thank you for that. It pads my royalties from Pluralsight. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I joined that um, in 2012, and that was all very unexpected. Um, I, I'd actually contributed a little to Fake It Easy, I think, before I joined. I know I definitely chimed in on a few issues on GitHub, uh, but the guy who started it, a guy called Patrick Hain from, from Sweden, uh, he doesn't do that much development anymore. He's more in a, a managerial role now. And he just put out a shout on Twitter. And he said, uh, I, I don't have time for fake it easy anymore, but it, it's a great library. I want to keep it going. Can anyone help? Um, and I just put up my hand. And he said, yeah, you seem like a cool guy, and just gave me ownership. So that, <laughs> that was all a bit of a surprise. So I guess that we've covered three ways to get started, really, then, right? One is to um, do your own thing and release it just contribute pull requests or I guess alternatively like you said you started with just chime in on issues you don't even have to write code to get involved and then also uh, just stick your hand up and take over something mm -hmm. so I've heard uh, one good way of getting involved if you're you just want to get your feet wet is to start with documentation a lot of open source projects don't have very good documentation and generally uh, appreciate when uh, when people volunteer for that Absolutely. I think it's a good thing to stress that there is writing code is not the only way to contribute. I, I'd have to look back, but I think I probably actually didn't write any code for Fake It Easy before I became a contributor, hmm. uh, an owner rather, but because I'd just chimed in on so many issues and just said, well, you know, I think this is a good idea, I think this isn't, or I actually raised a few issues to say, well, this would work better like this. That was recognized as, as really valuable as well. Uh, so much so that Patrick was willing to make me an owner even before writing any code. Well, that brings up another question uh, of the difference between contributing to a project and managing a project. Right. I mean, obviously, there's more time involved in in um, managing a project, but what are the different types of roles that you have to keep in mind when you're doing when you're managing versus contributing? Well, I mean. It's, it doesn't necessarily need more time when you're, when you're managing. Um, you know, you could envisage a situation where you've got someone who's contributing heavily. And all I'm doing is happily sitting there just merging pull requests. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty cool, like, cool situation to be in as, a, as an OSS manager. Um, but I think uh, it, they are two distinct roles. And I think even when you're a maintainer, you, you've got your maintainer hat and your contributor hat. Uh, for, so, for instance, all the projects, projects which I work on, no one merges their own pull request. No maintainer merges their own pull request. So if I want to get some code in, I go through all the same motions as a, as a contributor. Um, and I think that's actually quite important because there's no them and us feeling. So the way that a contributor will get code into our code base 
That's exactly the way that I will get code in as a maintainer. All, all contributions are peer contributions at that point. Exactly. And, and a maintainer role really, in fact, a maintainer doesn't necessarily have to be the person writing most of the code. It could be external contributors, but maintainers do things like gate all the commits to the, to the repo by saying, yes, this makes sense, yes, no, this doesn't. Or for new feature proposals saying that makes sense for the product and that doesn't. And they may, may, may not even be writing most of the code. Have you run into many conflicts? Uh, not merge conflicts, but uh, you know, personality conflicts. People just flat out disagree with the decision that you've made on a project you've committed to or one that you, or that you contribute to or one that you maintain? Sure, uh, that does happen. Uh, it's it's not all it's not all roses and uh, yeah you do get a few uh, conflicting opinions. Occasionally people come along and, and you know you get you get the occasional troll. Uh, I'm not going to say you don't, um, but it's I think it's a lot rarer than people think. Uh, I had I, I've had a couple of people criticising some of the work I've done uh, on Twitter, for instance, but it's it's been such a minority that uh, it's kind of washed over me and I haven't really haven't really cared too much, but. Um, I think like in any project, people have different opinions. Um, the open source community in general, I found to be very friendly. People seem to be reasonable. And I've not really ever had a, an enormous problem trying to resolve a, a difference of opinion. I've, my experience has been similar. It's pretty, I wouldn't say they're amicable, but they, they'll listen. And you can have a rational conversation if you approach it rationally yourself and like anything that you do in any team, it'll work its way out one way or the other, depending on uh, the arguments made, it seems like. So. Sometimes contributors do know more than maintainers in some cases. You know, some, sometimes you, you, you come across people who have used the library a lot more than you have. Yeah. So I think as a, as a maintainer, it's really important to maintain an open mind. And that, perhaps that's something to, make, to, to bear in mind when you put your own projects out there for the first time to realize that you're not necessarily the ultimate authority. Someone picks it up, they may actually use it more than you. And their idea may even be better than yours. And, uh, that's, uh, a, that's happened to me, where I've put my very first framework out, and I did use the ideas. I built the framework from ideas I implemented with a client, and uh, I put it out there, and someone I knew actually sends in a pull request somebody's using it. I'm not actually using the framework. I'm using the ideas, but not the framework. And I'm getting pull requests already from people who are using it. So um, to be honest, I don't think I've ever actually used that framework myself. So getting your first pull request for a project is an awesome feeling. It is. It is. Especially when it fixes something you didn't know was wrong with it. So, right. so one of the, I uh, think one of the barriers people have to participating in open source is they don't want to put themselves out there. They don't want to open themselves up to critique. So how, what do you tell people like that? Right. This is, this is probably the thing I hear the most uh, about people who, are, who, who, want, who want to get involved but don't know how or, or haven't yet, usually for that reason. I wrote a blog post about this, actually, on adamralph.com. It's called OSS It Already, and I'll just echo some of the, some of the thoughts there. If you, if you put that, like I said earlier, if you put out that project, initially no one's going to look at it anyway right. until you publicize it. So to, to get, to get um, exposure in these two facts, it means publicity and time. So that means when you init that initial act of putting it out there is not really going to do anything. 
there's too many projects being put out there daily on GitHub for anyone to recognize another one going up. Right. right. And eventually someone might look at it, but the net effect of that immediate action is pretty much zero. Yeah. Right. So, and, and other people, and I think people think is that oh, it's not ready yet. Right. It's never ready. Yeah. No project is ever done. No project is ever finished. Whether it's open source or not. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And in, and in fact, if you want to, if you want to improve it, the best thing for it to be is open source. You're going to get a lot more eyes on it, you know, with with enough time and uh, with you pushing it and publicizing it enough. The other side of that is that you said this is a fantastic project. It's going to change the world, and then you put it out there, and you know there's no impact even after you, know, you tweet you tweet about it and talk about it, and it just was not reaching, getting any traction at all. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, I, I've put out, I think, especially my first project, Expedave, I put that out there and I, I, I was really hoping that people would start to use it more. Mm-hmm. And for months and months, kind of nothing happened. Then I got my first PR and it was like a doco typo, but it was still an awesome feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think all, what I'll say to that is don't try and change the world. Right. right? Yeah. Write your open source project for a reason. And that reason should be that you find it useful. Right. If you write it for yourself and make open sourcing it a side effect, then you've succeeded already. Exactly. You're putting it out there because you're saying, well, if I find it useful, maybe someone else will find it useful. Yeah. Maybe it will change the world, but not. don't, don't plan for it to because, oh, it, very, because it probably won't. Very few repos on GitHub change the world, ultimately. Even yeah. the ones that are recognized and identified you still have a small percentage that are jQuery and things like that. Doesn't mean that they're not useful. It just means that they're not world changing. Yeah, it's a it's a moonshot. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm starting as an uh, open source contributor, I'm brand new to this idea. I'm eager. I want to do it. What do I need to do, either from a tooling or skill set standpoint, to prepare myself for that first step? Do you think? Well, I think these days. Um, if an open source project is not on GitHub, it kind of doesn't exist. Yeah. I think that's become the, the reality. So, you know, you, I think you're going to have to learn to use Git in some way and, and familiarize yourself with GitHub. Having said that, a lot of projects actually do help you out. So Nancy, for instance, is a, is a great .NET open source project, a web framework. And I, I talked about them at a couple of conferences. And one of the things they one of the things they do is they actually help out new contributors to use Git. Uh, so so they they really they really handhold people at the start. Um, if you went in there and said you know I really want to help out, they'll actually they'll actually show you how to install Git and how to pull down uh, the repo and how to how to actually push a push a some stuff up to your fork and send a pull request and all the rest of it. All this kind of jargon can be kind of clarified for you. And um, I, I'd be quite happy to do that for people in, in my projects too. Do you have any recommendations on coding standards in your project, or do you wait for them to submit a pull request and say, "No, we really like spaces instead of tabs," that sort of thing? So most open source projects will have a contributing .md file in the repo, and this is actually a thing that's recognised by GitHub. Right. When you send a pull request, it will actually say, "Please make sure you read contributing .md." What I do is uh, I, I put my guidelines in there and I recommend uh, new contributors to read them. I put that in the readme of the repo. 
Um, I also use things like uh, StyleCop, so I'm actually a StyleCop fan. I know that the, the community is widely divided on this. Um, I used to be very, very strict about this. So I, when I first started in open source, I carried forward my closed source practices. And in, in, in my old closed source job, we used to fail all the builds if there was a StyleCop violation. And I carried that forth into open source, and there, a lot of people expressed their displeasure at that. Um, so I turned it down to warnings only. And, I, and, and now if a, if a pull request introduces StarCop warnings, I don't care, I'll just merge it. Okay. Um, I'll take it upon myself to fix that later. But I, I tend to be quite liberal with, with things like that these days. I think that was a bit of a learning exercise for me. Uh, but but uh, I, I don't find people coming along and, and trashing things completely. Anyway. People are usually fairly, fairly diligent. What about other etiquette tips for Git? Uh, on how to submit a pull request, do you ask that they check an issue first, or is it okay just to submit a pull request and without any sort of preamble to it, or things like that? Um, if someone sends a pull request without doing anything else, so you know, suddenly a pull request appears, um, that, that's fine. I really don't mind. Um, however, if you've spent a lot of time on it, you risk having wasted your time. So if you, I would say to, to anyone... Uh, thinking of doing that, if you if you if you're going to introduce a major feature, if you're going to spend a lot of time, it doesn't have to be even a major feature. If you're going to spend a lot of time on something, make sure you're not wasting your time. You know, probably good to raise an raise an issue in the GitHub repo first, or even or indeed even search for a current issue, which might be similar to the idea you've got. Yeah, it might it may already exist. It's just that no one's got around to doing it. Um, however, someone if someone just says, "Oh, yeah, I'll add this thing quickly," and it takes them fifteen minutes to send a PR, fine happy with that too it's really it's really up to them i think that's one of the things going into open source that uh you have to realize is that um just because you submit a pull request doesn't mean it's ever going to get merged mm -hmm. it can sit there forever and uh, uh the more time you spend into it with the, without communicating the intent or the idea though there's the increased chance that people are going to look at it and say what what is this? Why is this? And without answers to that, they won't push the button that merges the pull request. And, and I think the other thing you have to realize is that most of these things are done in free time. They're mm -hmm. purely done through goodwill. And I, I will always do my best to, to jump on new pull requests or issues that people have raised, but it's a best effort basis. Right. Uh, we, we'd all like to be uh, free to do this as much as we'd like uh, and even be paid for it and whatever, but the, re the reality is we have other, other jobs to do. So. And life yes. on top of that, that too. That too. And it's wonderful that people will submit a pull request where they sacrifice part of their life to contribute, but then there's also the where does this fit in the other end of the, the world. Yeah, there's the, there's the health of the project in general yeah. to, take in that, to take into account. So how much time would you say on an average week that you spend on open source projects? It, it varies wildly. Uh, it's difficult to come up with an average. Uh, recently, not that much. Whereas uh, parts of last year, probably too much. It, it, you know, it's good that you you, pick, you mentioned the, the kind of life aspect as well, uh, Donald, because that, that's important. It can be tempting for maintainer to just spend too much time on open source projects. So. It's not healthy for the project, ultimately, if the maintainer is not being healthy with themselves. Indeed. Indeed. All right, well, thanks so much, Adam, for your time. We really appreciate this, and I hope anybody listening is feeling a little bit more at ease about contributing or even starting their own 
uh, open source project. And I hope we can chat about this again in the future, maybe go more in depth on managing uh, an open source project if you're up for it. Thank you guys, I'd be, uh, I'd be delighted, absolutely. All right, well, that's it for now, and we will talk to everybody next time. Thank you. Thank you.